Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. Hi, everybody, and guess who's with me tonight? Jerry is back. Yeah. I've been MIA. Missing in action. Yeah, I've been out uh, doing some, uh, 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 ministering at some festivals, music festivals, sharing the gospel, yeah. and uh, it's good to be back. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this awesome opportunity, and tonight, Lord, uh, we just come before you and humbly ask that you give us help. Help us, Lord. We are in an emergency situation. There is disaster everywhere, upheaval, destruction, corruption. Everything is uh, being attacked by your enemy, Lord. And so tonight as we talk about mobilizing men and uh, bringing men back into action, Lord, I pray that you would guide our conversation by your Holy Spirit, that you'd cause people to listen, cause them to remember, draw them to their, um, their radios, and Lord, I pray that they'd also call in. So tonight, Father, we also pray that you'd bless our guest. And our guest is Kurt Thomas. Kurt, uh, are you there? Hello, Kurt. I am Hi. here. Yes, okay, Kurt. I am here. Kurt is a, um, a leader, one of the co-leaders of uh, the Band of Brothers, they call it Bob for short, in, one of the, in Celebration Church down in uh, uh, Lakeville, Minnesota. And he's consented to be with us tonight on the show. So... So, Kurt, welcome. We're glad. We're looking forward to the uh, insights uh, from the Lord that are going to come through to you. Uh, let me just, we're just going to just dive right into this. Oh, wait. Let's oh. find out a little bit about Kurt first. Oh, yeah. Tell, tell us about yourself. What's, what's your shoe size? <laughs> shoe size. Um, <laughs> no. No, stuff like no, no. Just go ahead. Give, give us just a quick synopsis of you. Well, you know, who are you and what are you up to? How did, yeah, that, part of your question, your introduction is, how did you get involved with uh, leading the men? Those two things. Who are you and how did you get to do this? Um, well, I am... Uh, I, I live in Minnetonka. I, I am married to a beautiful woman, uh, Kathy, who uh, God graced me with. Believe me, I, most of the guys listening out there will probably uh, relate to this. I married up. I married over my head, and it's a good thing. Um, <laughs> At least you admit it. Uh, a lot of those guys. I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's no question <laughs> about it. Um, and uh, with, the, with the, the Band of Brothers, uh, we actually formed that about four years ago. Um, I approached Pastor Brent uh, with the idea that I, I really thought that we needed a uh, men's group, and, and it, it's not really a Bible study, not that there's anything wrong with the Bible study, obviously, but it's more of a group of men who uh, come together uh, every Monday night where uh, we've just really created a, an environment where men can feel uh, that they can be authentic, they can be open, they can be honest, uh, without fear of ridicule or anybody judging them or trying to fix them. Where yeah. 
uh, as guys get comfortable, they realize that uh, the issues that they're dealing with in their own lives are not unique to them. It's, uh, they're, they're pretty common amongst all men, and there's, mm-hmm. there's some comfort in that, knowing that, uh, that there are other men who are dealing with, with similar, similar issues. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and so um, men and, and the issues, I, I, as a part of the body of Christ and seeing the critical place of men in leadership and of the, where they're at, and opening, I think this is going to be a really important um, dialogue tonight uh, about what's going on. So can we start, Kurt, with a question or two, and then as we kind of go through our questions, you can, um, you can help, yeah, you can help us uh, understand more what's going on. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of go like the old um, legendary coach, Vince Lombardi, the Green Bay Packers. And um, what he would do at the beginning of every season, you know, he's got these you know, guys that have played football all their lives and professionals. Uh-huh. He, he'd, he'd call a team meeting and he'd hold up the football and say, gentlemen, this is a football. And then he'd go from there. Um, right. What, who and what is man? Uh, as defined by God. So starting with the football. We're starting with the football here. <laughs> uh, that's a pretty big well, question. Well, for that, I I don't think there's any uh, any better place to go than uh, the beginning, Genesis one uh, twenty six, where God said, uh, "Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness." And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And then in 27, he said, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. So uh, who does God define us as? Um, uh, I think that's pretty clear that he, uh, he saw fit to create us in him, his image, obviously that doesn't mean that we are God, but um, we, we are created like him, a triune uh, being, body, soul, mm-hmm. and, That's uh, right. and spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he gave us dominion. He basically made us stewards uh, of the earth and, and, and stewards of the talents that mm-hmm. he gave us. Yeah, that's uh, pretty awesome. That's who we are. It's pretty, mm-hmm. I think it's I don't know where else well, to go with it. Yeah, well, I, I, can I say that I think the position of being stewards, as, as you said, of all of God's creation really tells us the amount of um, privilege and confidence God put in this final creation of man, man, man and, and woman um, in, in this putting them in the garden. I mean, this is a position to be envied, and obviously I believe it was envied, by um, the fallen one, Lucifer, but uh, nonetheless, the authority had been placed upon them to make decisions around the garden. Right, and uh, you know, leadership, uh, oversight, stewardship, all those things. Um, you know, so the reason you know, Kurt, that we we, go, we have to get to be so fundamental as we begin here mm-hmm. is that people, uh, a lot of men too, don't have that um, that identity. You know, if they've been taught and have a, a faith in in evolution that we're just some ran, some animal form, a, a product of random chance, mm-hmm. it just kind of it kind of wrecks everything. Can you just 
Or you're just an accident. You don't have Yeah, it's just an accident. Right. So that's a whole, uh-huh. it's a difference. Uh, the lies of evolution have uh, uh, kind of destroyed that fundamental identity in the minds of a lot of people. Well, and what, I'm sorry, Kurt, go ahead. Do you want to comment on that? Um, well, no, I, I would disagree with, with, with what you're saying, but, uh, and I don't what? intend to offend anyone uh, out there, but if I do, uh, I guess you just have to get over it. But, yeah. uh, right. Plus, when, if you're when not you, offended because of me, that's what Jesus said. When, when you look around uh, at, at the magnificence of everything that we see around us, to think that mm-hmm. that just happened randomly, uh, in my mind, I, that doesn't compute for right. me at all. Well, you're talking deliberate. You're talking deliberate, cr- handcrafted creation created by God. But you're also, I think, what we see happening here is a deliberate, intentional, diabolical plot to overthrow the authority of men and women and man, especially in his leadership position. Right. That was a very uh-huh. deliberate, well thought out plot. Yeah, the very core, the very uh, identity uh-huh. of, uh, of who, who, who we are. human beings are yeah. as, as male and female. Well, God, I, you know, going back to identity for a second, we are beings, not doings. And I think one of the, the ways Satan has corrupted men and women is to get them to believe they are what they do. And, and we're human doings, not human beings. And we become very driven and stressed to perform. And performance is a big word, I think, with both men and women. And, and, you know, I mean, they even use that word like with their machines and their cars and sort of things. But if we go back and really realize the the insidious and deliberate attack upon men that's going on today, I think that gives us a better perspective on on the stakes. The stakes here are really high, and I think Satan found men to be the critical uh, element that he needed to remove before his plot would succeed. Notice he didn't go to the man, he went to the woman, um, right. because I, I think Adam would have probably kicked his butt and told him to leave the garden or something, you know. I'll, I don't know my thought. But um, so going back to def- defined by, by God, I think the enemy tries to redefine man. Can you talk about that a little bit? How the enemy has tried, whether back then or today or through the ages, has tried to redefine men. What does he, how does he do that? Well, I think he does it in, in a lot of ways. Um, he's, he's so insidious about how he does things because they yeah. look, uh, many times they look like they're right and they're mm-hmm. supposed to be right, but are so mm-hmm. far so far uh, removed from uh, from reality, mm-hmm. and I I would kind of piggyback on what you were saying a minute ago about uh, <clears throat> the whole performance issue, particularly um, I think here in uh, in our society, mm-hmm. uh, it's gotten so perverted uh, uh, what the media and what our society holds out to be. Uh, here's what a real man, man. is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You, you can go back to um, what's what's portrayed in in, in movies by guys mm-hmm. like you know, mm-hmm. the, some of the characters of John Wayne and and mm-hmm. Clint Eastwood. I'm kind of dating myself here, but the kind of guys <laughs> that they portrayed, you know, that they were uh, they were tough guys, they were loners, they didn't need anybody, they rode into mm-hmm. town and 
mm-hmm. within a couple of hours, mm-hmm. they found out who the bad guy was. They uh, cleaned up the, the bad guy, mm-hmm. got rid of the bad guy. The, the beautiful woman fell in love with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they then were they invincible. Got on their horse and, yeah, they were invincible, but then they, rode, they, then they got on their horse and, and, and rode off by themselves. Like, uh, I don't need anybody. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't need anybody. I'm alone. Mm-hmm. Or I'm a tough guy. Leave me alone. I'm I'm off to do my next my next conquest. Yeah, um, yeah. I then, think there's a lot then, of that programming through the movies, through the media, through the advertisements. Like you're saying, even for today, you know what you're supposed to drink, what you're supposed to wear, what kind of car yeah. you're supposed to drive, what kind of phone you're supposed to use. I mean, it's all geared to. Uh, for an image to create a man in men an image of who they are or should be or what they should look like or what they should have and then when they don't have that or they don't do that or they can't accomplish all of that then the other side of that thing kicks in and they begin to feel stupid and um, uh, you know angry I think angry is a big word uh, because they're not able it's there's so much injustice and they can't really do much about it and they become just mad you know. Yeah. What What about? Yeah, uh, I, Kurt? Go ahead. Go ahead, sir. Well, I was just going to say, there's as I was thinking about this over the last few days, I mean, a, a couple things came to mind um, for a lot of listeners out there can that can like me are big kind of sports nuts, um, and and, yeah. and we see uh, as an example uh, looking at the NFL, uh, you know, the key player on on every football team is always the quarterback. Right, mm-hmm. so you've got this quarterback that's this great athlete and uh, you know good looking and always has the beautiful woman and makes a lot of money and but I was thinking about it going, okay, there's I don't know what the exact number is, but somewhere between three and three and a half billion with a B men on the planet, mm-hmm. and there are less than a hundred of them that are good enough to play that position. Mm. And, wow. and only 32 of them are good enough to be starters, and probably only half a dozen of them are good enough to take their team to the playoffs and maybe win a Super Bowl. Uh, so how am I supposed to be that guy if there's only six out of three billion <laughs> that are a good, question. good enough yeah. to be like that? How am I supposed to be that guy? Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, that's and, very frustrating, and, and isn't it? I said that's very frustrating then, isn't it? Well, you know, hopefully at some point in time we all uh, we all come to the reality that uh, that that's not what we can do. But when we look at that and say, "Well, I can never be that," so what's wrong? Mm-hmm. You know, what's what's wrong with me? And mm-hmm. and then there's a there's a commercial that appears on TV because a part of the part of the issue is that that men have been emasculated even by the media. There's a commercial on TV. It happens to be for a cell phone company, and you mm-hmm. may have seen it. Where there's a there's one guy and there are four women. They're all realtors, and the guy is you can see him, but he's kind of obscured. And, and these women are all talking to the salesperson, who also happens to be a woman, uh, and they're asking questions and getting the answers that they need. And and then they say, let's make this happen. And they they fold their arms uh, all in unison, and the guy kind of looking back and he's got this you know stupid look on his face and he looks around to see that they all cross their arms and then and then he realizes oh I gotta cross my arms it's like it, it was probably intended mm. in a humorous way but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's so much of that that just demeans mm-hmm. a man like mm-hmm. who are you you're not really necessary 
Yeah. Well, it's they've amazing. been doing that for years, don't you think? I think they're oh, all the minority and the and the ones uh, the all, all the attack has been against them. <clears throat> so what you know this this whole um, you know women's liberation thing. I mean that sounds like that dates me. I guess talking about that, but um, you know more and more women like Minnesota. I think we have the highest number of women in the workplace of almost any state in the United States right now. But what what is it? This, this, we're not here to really talk about women per se. But w- what do you think was kind of the root of that uh, that I, I identity of uh, women? You know, moving forward. Obviously, you know, we want women to be in good positions, jobs, and equal pay for equal work and that sort of thing. But what what do you think was the kind of the, the motivation for? Okay, move over, buddy. We're taking over. There was an agenda. Well, what do you think? Well, I, I think um, I, I think everything that we see being played out is all a form of spiritual warfare, whether we want to recognize it as that or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I think behind the the women's lib uh, movement certainly mm-hmm. was the evil intentions of. Of women uh, who, who are rising up in in that movement to say, you know, other than for the for the reason of procreation, men really aren't necessary. Right? Yeah. But yeah. We I have think... to have them for procreation purposes, but otherwise, we can do everything as good or better than they can. Well, you know, so, really, when you look at the authority, it's the God created the man, then the woman, the child, and kind of in that order of divine authority. And I, I think the enemy saw that as a threat to his um, intentions, his plan, his plot to destroy the world. So he made the um, issue be one of rights and one of injustice and one of... And of course, you know, I have to say this. I think from the beginning, uh, from the moment that there was the, the curses were put forth, uh, the woman's desire would be for her husband, which meant basically she was in a position where she was going to desire him no matter what, uh, whether there was abuse, whether it was good, whether it was, you know, detrimental. And so that put in a lot of men thought of their wives, not, uh, you know, a lot of the before the Lord God came with his commandments and his righteous order, a lot of the men were treating their wives like property or animals or, you know, possessions. And I think there had built up over the generations and over the every, I mean, every social system, uh, this kind of a strong sense of injustice and anger. And so the enemy just knew that that was, he had developed that specifically to become a point of contention so that he could use that to, to stir up the anger and the wrath and the, and the, and the disgust or whatever women, but really what it does in the end is it, it practice, it's a practice of witchcraft and taking it, the authority from the man and giving it to the woman. This is how I see it. But on the other hand, that couldn't have happened if the men were actually aware of their rightful, godly headship leadership positions. So what happened to them at the same time, the women were rising up, the men were shrinking down. What, what was going on with them? Well, first of all, I think, uh, that happened in the garden when Adam shrunk down. Because if you read the account, God told Adam not to eat of the, the, the tree 
uh, of the uh, uh, of knowledge of yeah. evil. Mm-hmm. He told Adam that, but Adam never told Eve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she did know it, though, I think, because the serpent said, did God say she's got, no, we're not supposed to eat the tree. So she indirectly maybe knew of it, I would think, although I I agree with you, it isn't recorded specifically that she was there when the direction was given by God. Um, But I think what, um, he kind of gave up his his leadership for, for all men when he, Agreed to, uh, to to eat of the fruit instead of saying, "Well, hey, wait a second, wait a second here." We were told mm-hmm. not to, so he kind of he he, he basically abdicated his leadership mm-hmm. role right mm-hmm. there. Yeah, yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. So uh, let's let's we want to touch on that abdication uh, thought uh, as we go along here. But what would you say, uh, Kurt, in your experience now dealing with guys? What are some of the specific uh, major issues that are are confronting uh, men today, as you see it, here in the USA? Well, for, for one, I, I think they re- they don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. Okay. They, they just don't know who they are. They don't know who they are supposed to be, as we kind of already uh, alluded to. We've got mm-hmm. all these distorted. Uh, pictures and views of who we think we're supposed to be. So we we really don't know who we are supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they're the, supposed to be doing, right? Right. Yeah, yeah because there's, I mean, there's that word submission in, um, I believe it's in uh, in Ephesians, where uh, it, it you know, talks very plainly and clearly that the woman is to be in submission uh, to the man, uh, which that's fine if the man is in submission to God, then mm-hmm. then it works. But there is that uh, mm-hmm. there is that submission component that that has taken on um, a meaning that is not what its original meaning was. I think because submission mm-hmm. is viewed by too many people as well. Then I just have to lay down and basically kind of be a rug that's walked on and and that's mm-hmm. what submission is. but that's not really what submission um is supposed to be but mm-hmm. um so yeah yeah um, and in right Ephesians there. chapter 5 verse 22 wives be subject be subject be submissive and adapt yourselves to your own husbands as a service to the Lord but again and says and for husband the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church himself the savior of his body as the church is subject to Christ so let wives be subject to every in everything to their husbands husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself right. up for her um, may I just say though that in the position of a woman for going back to the garden for half a second God gave the the woman Eve to Adam to be a helper, a helpmate to mm-hmm. him. And right. why did he do that? Well, because God looked at Adam and said, "Hmm, he needs help." You know, and uh, whatever help that was, whatever you know, support that was, whatever he needed, somebody to comfort him, somebody to encourage him, somebody to respect him, uh, admire him, uh, encourage him to go on, and that he can do it. Kind of a cheerleader kind of a position as well, but. Um, but the problem today, bringing that, that down to the day, is I think there was a serious 
agreement, uh, a breach in their relationship, Adam and Eve, in the garden, because what happened there continues every day in America in every relation, every marriage that I can think of, it's temp- there's a temptation to go here, and that is um, when God said to Eve, well, what, "What just what's happening here? What's what's going on? What what's?" And and she said, "The serpent deceived me." Mm-hmm. And and God didn't say, "Well, too bad, honey. You know, you made your bed, you lie in it." Da da da. He he said she answered correctly because the serpent had deceived her, and she realized that she wasn't going to own this thing all by herself, and she wasn't blaming the devil. She was just stating the facts. And then when God right. said to Adam, "What happened?" Adam said, "The woman you gave me deceived me," and what happened there was an open door to blame, and also bitter, become bitter against the woman who wrecked everything. Um, and it's easy to pass the blame. And at this, at this point, she did the deed. And so she was the, the most likely one to get blamed. And so I think what happens now is, you know, and, and, and Adam was also blaming God, the woman you gave me. She was a defective wife. You know, she, she, you know, but, but he didn't realize she's weak. She's, she's gullible. We're all, you know, trickable. And to this very day, I think husbands, you know, a woman is created to help, to, to, to give help. Men don't want it. That's just the bottom line. We have this, this war in the, in the demonic realm. I mean, godly Christian men who are seeking God, of course, recognize the value of their wives and how they can be a help to them. But talk a little bit about makes men resistant, because if they're resistant to the help God's given them through their wife or become bitter against their wives, this plays right into the hand of the enemy. So can you... Talk a little bit about why they are hard. It's hard for them to take the help, or whatever. Maybe the help is not genuine. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I think for most, I think for most men, it's hard to uh, it's hard to admit that we need help, whether it's from our wives or if it's from anybody, because mm-hmm. that um, it's goofy. But we have a tendency to think that well, that. Uh, that's a display of weakness, and, and if I mm-hmm. show vulnerability or or show any kind of weakness, then I'm not really a man. But mm. but I think that's completely backwards. I, I think mm-hmm. the real authentic man is is willing to um, show his vulnerable side and show uh, his weakness um, and, and just be. Um, vulnerable and transparent, uh, mm-hmm. but that's not what the world teaches us. The world teaches mm-hmm. us that uh, uh, you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps, uh, mm-hmm. keep going. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you have a deep heart wound that was inflicted when you were a kid somewhere. Just get over it. Stop thinking mm-hmm. about that. Get over it and get on with your life. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and if we uh, if we don't do that. And I think we fear that, well, then other people are going to uh, to view me as weak. And if I'm weak, mm-hmm. then I'm not really a man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, it's, so so one of the, one, right, and what, that's the, the role that you have is, uh, you know, in working with the band of brothers is to, is to really kind of, um, kind of reprogram men, realize that vulnerability is okay. We do need uh-huh. help. We do need to submit. We can't. We can't be uh, an island and John Wayne riding okay. into town and 
right. and riding off into the sunset, you know, and not showing any emotions and stuff. So, so, so you're involved in that process. Uh, what, what have you seen kind of in that process? And, uh, um, obviously I'm not going to share any, violate any confidences here or anything, but what have you oh. seen kind of in that process of, 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 of kind of working with your group band of brothers? What are sorts of things of, of renewing or reprogramming? Maybe that's too harsh a word, but uh, of the guys that you're working, what, what was just some of the things that you've seen? Um, well, it, 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 it probably, it took about the first year. I mean, we, we kind of kept it as a closed group uh, for about the first year or so because we wanted to, to, to try to develop an environment um, where people, where, where guys could feel safe and, and realize that, okay, this is a place where I can be open and honest and I can trust these guys. They're not going to go blab about it, you know, to, to someone else and whatever, but it, but it, it took a while because it wasn't real natural, or, or, and it isn't real natural for most men um, to just sit down and just cut open a vein. Um, mm-hmm. There happens mm-hmm. to be there happens to be two of us in the group um, that are like that, and it doesn't really matter if we're in front of two people or twenty or two hundred. We'll just we I I don't know why that is, but just how we are where we just will cut open a cut open a vein um, <clears throat> but over time um, guys did get more comfortable and did realize as as one of the the regular attendees said you know the more we talk about this stuff the more we realize how much we're alike because to go back to what was said just a couple minutes ago about that and I don't know how it is for women, but with men, without question, that we do have a tendency to isolate ourselves when we're when we're going through some tough some tough stuff that we maybe think we shouldn't be having a struggle with or whatever. We have a tendency to isolate ourselves and become islands uh, unto ourselves, which is exactly where the enemy wants us because then he can mm-hmm. pick us off pretty yeah. easily. Mm-hmm. Yes. So. <clears throat> Over time, um, uh, guys just became more and more comfortable with with opening up and, and, and sharing, and, and it did. After a couple of years, it created an environment where where guys coming for the very first time. Uh, I mean, it happened several times. Guys coming for mm-hmm. the very first time, um, just all of a sudden, I mean, they just opened up, uh, and they just spilled their you know spilled their guts all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first time that, that we were that that they ever came to the group, so um, and you know the problems mm-hmm. that people are dealing with, they're not that much different from person to person. Whether it's you know I'm having this struggle with my wife and I don't know what to do, and uh, or you know I'm struggling with alcohol or, or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, Almost invariably, there's someone in the group who's had a similar situation, uh, and when someone hears that, I mean, it, there was somebody that, that came to the group. Uh, um, this this finally, he opened up a couple of weeks ago that he's been dealing with some oppression and depression issues, and and there are two of us. In fact, one of the other co-leaders and myself both have dealt with that issue in the past. 
he was willing and able to share that, but the look on his face when he knew that somebody else in the group absolutely understood mm-hmm. what he was mm-hmm. going through and what he was feeling, it was just like there was a there was a, a release there for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to feel like you're not alone. And I think also knowing that you've survived it is a very encouraging thing for people who are in it. That's one of the things I noticed with counseling too. They want to know, they want to talk to people who've been there and got through it, whatever it is. It's just like it, it can be done. I mean, it's a, a re, reigniting the hope, I think. But um, mm-hmm. so, yeah. yeah. I just, I just, I really, I, I really believe that uh, Kurt, what you have here is a really an excellent pattern of, and uh, you know, and I know there are, you know, groups of men like this, you know, springing up around the country. And uh, several years ago, of course, Promise Keepers was a huge um, men's event. And you uh, mentioned John Eldridge earlier, and you, I think, mentioned him again. But um, these these men's big men's rallies that filled uh-huh. stadiums uh, all around the country, promise keepers, not um, promise makers, but promise keepers. And, and of course, right. the goal of the, the, the coach, who was uh, uh, the former coach of uh, Colorado Buffaloes who led this, uh, right. you know, his whole deal was, you know, the, the, big, the big events are important, but the main thing was the, the small groups like you're talking about. Uh, where where this dynamic that you're describing to break down to get to get past the superficial get past talking about sports work and the weather and get mm-hmm. down to those gut level things and it's it's so it's so liberating and it's it's just uh, I just applaud what uh, well, what's going on there. My question though is with promise keepers and I love it too because it was <clears throat> I think a lot of people are suffering from broken promises. Excuse me. <clears throat> uh, wives and children, but where did it go? And, uh, you know, what I see just looking at it very quickly in a very brief, you know, analysis of it was it's gone. And why is it gone? Well, it might be gone because it was like a lot of other things out there. It's just kind of a, a rah-rah, we can do it, try harder, get your act together, you know, we're going to form our groups and our this and that. We're going to push through this thing. We're going to do it just by sheer willpower and desire and commitment yeah and you know what it it fell on its face in a way i'm not saying it didn't accomplish good things and i loved it but i think what one thing was maybe missing uh and maybe it wasn't but i don't remember them talking much about the spiritual battle that we're up against to keep our promises um, and how the enemy comes in to uh, eat away at our confidence in christ and our our, our, our holiness and our, you know, because the devil feeds us with guilt and works and performance and failure. And, and you're just always in this swirl of trying to uh, measure up or be good enough or make God happy or make your wife happy or something. And I think if they would have talked a lot more about the battle these men were going to go through to keep their promises, um, I think we would have seen it last uh, maybe a lot longer um, because it's just like so many other things we do in America. It's like, okay, we can just do this because we're Americans, because we're we're tough. We've got the money, the know-how. We've got the backing. we got this, that, and the other thing. But I'm going to just read a scripture I read this morning in First Thessalonians. Um, 
and and this is maybe jumping ahead, jumping around. Who knows? We can always jump back to where we want to be. But um, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, how Jesus spoke about men, he chose 12 men. He called and appointed us as disciples. Um, there was a big amount of that was a training process. And a, and a, a lot of that training process had to do with spiritual warfare and casting out demons and understanding the works of darkness, blah, blah, blah. But the gospel of, of Jesus Christ was a gospel of good news and a gospel of grace, not a gospel of be good and try harder, give up and fail and get mad. So in verse 5 of chapter 1 of First Thessalonians, it says, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And, it, and you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, this isn't for wimps. The gospel isn't for wimps. There's a lot of women in it. But there's, there, the men think it's a wimpy thing uh, sometimes. And you know what? These were men who came with power and assurance of their salvation, assurance of the power, the might, the confidence they had in God, in, in his ability to keep his word. They were coming as the ambassadors, the uh, the, the um uh, from heaven, they, they were coming to promote that gospel on earth. It was a battle, and they knew it. And there was affliction, there was persecution, but there was joy, there was steadfastness, there was confidence in God, in who they were called to be in him. And even in Judah, it says, be contenders, earnestly contend for the faith. Um, right now, what we see in men and women as well is nobody's really, not very many, are really contending for the faith. They can barely barely get out of bed in the morning to, to stand up and face the day. And I think a lot of them are just trying to face that day alone or with their own willpower or their own abilities. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Well, it, it really question how many, uh, how, how many people really realize or, or even believe that we are in the midst of spiritual warfare? Yeah, good question. I, I think a lot of people don't just kind of don't really get that. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and I'm not sure that the church at large, and I'm not speaking about any one particular church, but mm-hmm. I don't know that the church at large is doing a very good job of mm-hmm. really helping people understand that. Mm-hmm. They're, right. they're, they're doing a little too much of uh, tickling of the ears to keep, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> forgive me for being so straightforward, but, but, but oh, for do, the purpose please. of keeping butts in the seats, you know, we, we, we're, we're not going to talk about hell. We're not going to talk about the devil. We're, you know, just, just heaven. And we're, we may be not mm-hmm. even going to talk about that that much, mm-hmm. but um, to talk about the fact that, that we are involved in, uh, in a really serious, bloody war, uh, yeah. it, I think it just it just doesn't happen. So people kind of don't get that. It's like, oh, what do you mean? I'm in a what, what do you mean? I'm in a spiritual battle. I'm not in a spiritual warfare. And I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Just just the trying to get by uh, day by day <clears throat> and, and just mm-hmm. uh, and just you know just exist. Yeah. Uh, and, right, and oftentimes yeah. I think the way Jesus is portrayed, um, mm-hmm. it's just this meek, um, mild, loving, compassionate guy, which he was. There's, there's no question about that. But, but he was also wild and and 
untamable. Revolutionary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, his story is really is really wild, the, the stuff that he did, but it's no, mm-hmm. nowhere is it any more wild than when he was in the garden um, when they came to uh, when they came to arrest him when he was praying and asking that that maybe the cup could be taken from him, I mm-hmm. mean, he could have he could have passed on he could have passed on it, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it, yeah, it presence, Yeah, I mean, his presence was so strong that just his presence knocked all those guards down, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. Peter cut the ear off, but he was. Then he demonstrated his compassion um, and put the put the ear back on the uh, on the guy's head, uh, mm-hmm. and then let him arrest him, knowing that he was a few hours from uh, yeah. going through unimaginable pain uh, and, and agony. That's that's pretty wild. There's nothing tame about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, wow. and the uh, the artists over the centuries have not helped us either with portraying the. You know, Jesus, a lot of, you know, you see this little skinny, little pale-faced guy just patting the sheep on the butt and let's move along. And, and it's like, oh, tiptoeing through the tulips. And uh, yeah. But, you know, he was, Jesus, of course, he's the son of man. He's a man's man. And uh, it, was, it was interesting, you know, the, well, just Second Timothy chapter 2 uh, verse 1, pertaining to what you said, Kurt, about the uh, spiritual warfare. Paul tells Timothy, and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more later with the relationship with Paul and Timothy. He says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You therefore, now because of that, because of taking, committing this gospel, the truth of the gospel to faithful witnesses, you therefore must endure hardship. And okay, to do that, you go to war to do that. Um, You must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. What 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 are some things that just stand out to you as we read those passages? While you're thinking, can I read it in the Amplified? Read it in the Amplified. Okay, yeah, the same thing. We'll make it louder. So, so you, my son, be strong, strengthened inwardly, by the grace, spiritual blessing that is to be found only in Christ Jesus and the instructions which you have heard from me among many witnesses transmit and entrust as a deposit to reliable and faithful men who will be competent and qualified to teach others also. Take with me your share of hardship and suffering which you are called to endure as good first-class soldiers of Christ Jesus. No soldier, when in service, gets entangled in the enterprises of civilian life. His aim is to satisfy and please the one who enlisted him. Huh. There's a That's a pretty heavy-duty... I know when guys go into the military, don't they take some pretty heavy-duty oaths uh, for their country and, and their group of the, their corps, whatever it is, Marines, Army. I mean, this is like that. We're, I think the... I think the 
the very first part of that stood out to me more than anything, where it was um, be strengthened uh, internally. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, be- I believe that um, that a lot of a lot of men um, don't understand or or don't turn to that strength. And, and when I say these things, for anybody who's listening out there, uh, I, I'm not telling you that that it's all of you that have that issue. I'm at the head of the line. I just want to make that clear. I'm at the head of the line because I've lived a good portion of my life thinking that that strength had to be me, mm-hmm. that I had to, to your yeah. point earlier, Padre, about um, try harder, do more, all of that kind of... I always thought that... Uh, that it was me. It was up to me. I had to do it. Well, I only have so much um, human uh, physical strength, and in my case, not a great deal, <laughs> uh, and only have so much willpower. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's that it's the, the strengthening inside, and really coming to believe um, in the strength of, of of Jesus living in us. That's um, Yes. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, well, here you I, said, I don't remember the I don't remember the exact scripture, but you know the scripture that says, "Not by power, not by might, but by my spirit." Says the um, Lord. Says the Lord. That's, yes. That's where that's where the strength is, and I just I well here too. That, you know, it, you know, Kurt, when you're saying strengthen inwardly or in the inner man, or uh, it says in in the grace spiritual mm-hmm. blessing that has to be found only in Christ Jesus. I think one of the problems is that men cannot be strengthened unless they're strengthened in the grace of God. And people don't understand what grace, what it really means. A lot of people abuse grace and they keep sinning because they think it's okay because God's just going to forgive them. But what we're talking about here is that grace to know that it's not about guilt. It's not about performance. It's not about failures. It's not about, you know, earning your way. You're in. You are in the grace of God, once you come to Jesus Christ, you are eligible for the blessings, the favor, the forgiveness. You're, you're okay. And it's from that place of being okay internally that we can go out there and do something externally. Because a lot of times people make their life, all their life, they make their life about themselves somehow. It's about my sin. It's about getting my position. It's about getting the respect I deserve. It's about that. But my life is not to be about me at all. It's about them. And when men aren't put in the right position internally, they cannot reach out to rescue their wives and children. They cannot establish the kingdom of God in grace. So I'm sorry I interrupted you, but in grace was kind of stand out to me. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's John Bevere that talks about that grace is, is goes beyond. Yes, we are saved. We, we are saved by grace. But that grace goes beyond. That grace is actually power and, and strength. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not just that we are saved by grace. Well, the reason there's, the there's grace is power. The reason the reason it's power, I think, is because um, because we've already been forgiven. We've already been redeemed. It's not like we're struggling right. to get into a victory. We have the victory. We're in the victory, and from that place comes power and confidence and authority. And once you understand who you are, that is like taking back your authority, uh, which was stolen in the garden. You're taking back your power and authority, and you're in good standing with God. He loves you. Jesus says, you have not called me, but I have called you and ordained you, appointed you to go forth and be my witnesses. 
And so it's not like we're, you know, um, are we worthy of that calling? No, no and yes, yes and no. I mean, we in our own selves can't do anything, but um, Jesus has made us worthy and called us. He called those 12 disciples, and they were a motley crew. They were not, you know, I don't know, I suppose they were strong, most some of them, but they were not your perfect men. I don't know what a perfect man would be, but Jesus picked common people with lots oh. of problems, and and some of them were kind of bullheaded, and some of them were kind of, you know, fly off the handle kind of thing. But once they got into the grace of God and knew the power of God, they they were converted, transformed, and everything was changed. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I think. Uh, do, what What do you see? Uh, uh, when we talked about the recognizing, you know, Christ in you, the hope of glory, uh, and the, the scripture we were you referred to earlier is. Uh, Zechariah 4, 6, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Um, uh, while, what has been your experience or uh, kind of uh, the way you operate there, modus operandi, of, of getting working with men to, to help them see uh, the spirit of, you know, that Christ is within us, and, and the Spirit of God and, and you know, being uh, of the Spirit of Christ dwells within us uh, and then being filled with the Spirit of God and then being able to, it seems like, you know, that can be like a noble, uh, very super spiritual idea. But practically day to day, what have you seen and, and what have you done just to, or what are you doing to help men see that strength, the spirit that's right within them, they can do it. It's and, and then the distinction between trying, not try, not trying, but trusting, and then living in that strength and that rest. Can you just kind of address that a little bit? That I'm throwing a lot at you there, but mm-hmm. um, can you just well, maybe? I, yeah, I could certainly give it a try. Um, I, I think as as you create as the environment has, has, has been created where people can feel comfortable that they can be open and honest and, and share what, what's going on with them um, and, and and giving credit where credit is due on, you know, on how they got through it. I, in fact, I can, uh, I, I said this in a conversation with Marjorie earlier, I can, I can share what happened to me this morning. Um, we had our men's group <clears throat> last night and we, um, we did something there that, that was highly, uh, you know, it's just out, outside of the box of what we would um, normally do. Uh, and this morning when I woke up, I just was uh, incredibly assaulted by the enemy. Um, I, I've, I've never had a panic attack, so I don't know if what I, what I experienced was a panic attack or not, but um, I just had, I was just gripped with this overwhelming fear. Uh, and I just I was just kind of beside myself, um, and but I, I I started to focus on uh, the strength in me. I started focus and started uh, mm-hmm. reciting scripture, beginning with James four um, mm-hmm. four uh, seven, and resist the devil and he will flee yes. from you. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it wasn't it wasn't just like that. It wasn't just that one thing, but it was then beginning to recognize what was going on. 
uh, and continuing to just stay in Scripture and repeat Scripture and um, reading a lot of Psalm 91, that, God, you are my rock, you are my fortress, cover me in your feathers, uh, you know, wrap me in your wings. And uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> after a while, the enemy finally got the hint and took off. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that, well, you did it but the way I Jesus realized, did. Yeah. yeah, and 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 I guess that's what I'm saying is is, is that's my own example, and and I will go uh, for you know hopefully some of the some of the guys from Bob are listening tonight, um, but if not, I I will share that with them next week. To say, you know, this is what happened. It wasn't in my strength because I was trying to fight it before I um, kind of woke up to what was going on, and then when I turned to that inner strength. The he who lives in me is is greater than he who lives in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, then it began to break, and I re- and I wasn't until I had a conversation with somebody that I realized that uh, that assault was not so much a result of what we did last night, which the enemy probably wasn't happy with. It was probably mm-hmm. more in advance of what we're doing right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was trying to come <laughs> against me uh, mm-hmm. to, to take me out. <clears throat> so that I'd yeah. be, um, you know, worthless uh, in, on, on this deal. Well, so, just, so that's not any brag. Yeah. That's not any bragging. No. That's just about me. It's just a fact. It's just an facts exam. of war. Yeah, it's, a fact. it's the pre-war it's a, battle. Yeah. You know, if you're going to go into yeah. ministering somewhere, somehow, especially if you're kind of, well, I shouldn't say that because that doesn't isn't true. It, it's just a pre-war battle because. When the devil, if he can knock you out before you get there, then you're, like you said, you're, he's won. So, so it's like there's pre-war battles, there's in-war battles, and there's post-war battles. So. But, you know, the thing is, the most important <laughs> thing is to realize there's a battle. Because yeah. until you recognize that, you could have thought, well, was it something I ate? Uh, you know, is it whatever, whatever. And the devil's always trying to give us a, a, send us on a wild goose chase to figure out what's really going on so that it takes the attention off of him. But when you realize, submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee. If I believe, as uh, going back to the original question, and then we're going to commercial real quick here, but um, if we could help the men and the women see this is not just a coincidence. This isn't just life. This isn't just bad luck. This isn't just my day, my bad day, my it's good day. It's not just it is what it, it is. is. Yeah, it's not it is what it is. It is deliberate. It is spiritual. It is, yep. uh, there's a d- direct... Uh, assault and there's a, an agenda that devil is trying to use to take us out and if men would realize it's not my fault I mean does a soldier who's on the front lines and he gets hit or he gets you know wounded or whatever does he you know he's a soldier he's up there he's going to get hit he's out there I mean not necessarily is he going to but I mean he takes his chances but he doesn't right you know, guilt himself and say, I'm such a bad soldier, I shouldn't have been there, da, da, da. He's expecting an attack. So so what we've got going here is um, an attack. And if people get that, that would be, I think, the step number one in winning the battle. But let's do a quick commercial here, and then we'll get back. Um, this is the beginning of the, of the war, as we see it, the war between God and Satan for the souls of men in God on trial. The heavens shook. Satan fell. The war in heaven was ended, but the war on earth had just begun. I dare you to let me test them. Would you test them to find fault with me? Let them choose for themselves whom they will serve. 
perfect disguise. So subtle, and yet alluring. <laughs> you will be more like him. That is why he has marked it as separate. More like him? Mm-hmm. Here. Uh, you see, nothing to fear. But I am afraid of one thing. Oh, what is it, my darling? What about Adam? Adam, where are you? Adam. You lied to us. It's time you all suffer like he made me suffer. Those two are guilty, and they will pay. Unless one can be found who is willing to pay the penalty for them. I demand my rights to a fair trial to determine my rights. You shall have your trial in the very hearts and souls of those you so freely seek to destroy. Well, then let them judge this matter. Let the accused become the judge, and the judge become the accused. That's just me. Well, we're we're back. We're back. We're back. Um, this the whole we've been talking with uh, Kurt here about uh, uh, spiritual warfare. Yeah, Kurt is the men's, one of the uh, lay leaders of the... Uh, Band of Brothers. Yeah. By the way, did you see the series Band of Brothers? I uh, <clears throat> I did, and I have it on Blu-ray, so I can just pop it in my Blu-ray player and watch it. It's amazing. And there's, a lot of, there's a lot of principles in there if you can get through the gore and the, and mm-hmm. the language, but there's a lot of principles about leadership and courage and... It, it's intensity. Just intensity. It's just me. So the, I, can I say something about that real quick? Yeah. The war band of brothers, these guys were all bound together in the common um, element of being together in the war. They were a band of brothers. That's all they had was each other and their weapons. And they, they trusted. They had to trust each other. They had a, But they, the war was so in front of them. I mean, they were in the foxholes. I remember they were shooting. They were sneaking around buildings. It was must have been adrenaline city all the time. But the war was just there. They didn't deny the war. They didn't try to avoid the war. They were there to fight the war. And do you suppose that that could be one of the problems the devil is trying to get us, and especially men, in this place of denying the war, sitting out the war, um, going to war? Well, uh, oh, yeah. I- Go ahead. Go ahead, Jerry. No, no, well, you I go ahead. Say, you know, yeah, very much. I, I, I think it's, it's, uh, it's getting them to deny um, that that there is any uh, kind of war. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's way easier not to do anything um, than it is to do something. It's kind of like exercise. Uh, it's we, not we all know that we all know that exercise is good for us but it's way easier not to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... It's like the guy that said, uh, every time I feel like exercising, I lie down on the couch till the feeling goes away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm familiar so, with that feeling. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm doing that myself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
listen, we, we want to invite you, uh, listeners, uh, give us a call. You have a comment uh, you'd like to make, a question for Kurt or any of us here, uh, just go ahead and give us a call. Be bold. We welcome your calls. Uh, the number is 347-215-8051. Again, 347-215-8051. Give us a call. It'd be great to hear from you. Well, I like what you just said, Kurt, about um, it's easier not to. It's just easier not to exercise. It's easier not to admit the problem. It's easier to try to fix it yourself. It's easier to, to not go to war. Um, and I think... Some people are just picking the easier way out for some reason, I suppose, because it's uh, easier. Let me right? just address, address this, too, as a, as a pastor. I've been a pastor for a long, long time, since, long the, time. Last, since the last millennium. In the yeah, fact. yeah, you're pretty old. <laughs> um, so, um, but there's a, there, you know, the teaching, uh, the teaching in the uh, evangelical or Pentecostal church or charismatic, whatever, in the teaching in the church there there i think there's been a real lack of it a lack of fundamental teaching on this concept of spiritual warfare so it's, it's like the idea of, i think maybe these pastors that are just saying hey man i i'm going to freak freak out some tithers here if i don't right. um if i start talking about demons mm-hmm. so I, right. I it has to come mm-hmm. Partly too with uh, teaching uh, spiritual leadership from from the top down, and I'm I'm praying and hoping that that comes in a very a clear way, not a weird, freaky, mm-hmm. uh, you know, scary well, kind of way, but just mm-hmm. good, sound biblical teaching mm-hmm. that comes from the uh, top down on spiritual warfare. Because we're here, you know, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Okay, so the equipping is is basically um, showing people what the war is like and what the weapons are and how to use those. Go ahead and comment on some of that. Okay. Well, I, I think you're absolutely right, and um, what kind of what popped into to, to my mind when when you were talking about um, the, the way the, a lot of churches are. Are teaching today is, is as I said earlier to, to kind of keep uh, I said keep butts in the seat. You said keep the keep the tithers there, uh, which is true. But boy, it just popped into my head that if uh, if if they're afraid to talk about uh, <clears throat> the reality of the spiritual warfare or um, demons or whatever. <clears throat> because they're afraid that their tithing is going to go down, then it would seem to me that that's almost a that's a faith issue from the pulpit that they're that mm-hmm. they're almost saying, I don't have faith that if I talk about this the the the, the uh, real stuff that God is going to make sure that that we have plenty of provision to keep this house going and and if and if that's the case, then how can we expect there to be a lot of faith in the congregation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you get an overbalance, you know, seeker, seeker friendly, seeker sensitive um, mindset, and really, if you are seeker friendly, truly uh, seeker sensitive, you will teach uh, on uh, on the spiritual warfare part. But mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of fear. A lot of times, in, in from the pulpits, 
that uh, we don't well, want to I talk don't... about this, or or there's just a lot of uh, ignorance there. We want to well, do we want to do a lot of uh, you know self help uh, teaching and you know ten ways to have a better figure or something like that. You know. Well, you uh, know what? I just don't think we do. I just don't think we preach the whole gospel. Right. We pick out the nice fun parts, and we don't talk about the war. We don't talk about like in Ephesians chapter. Six, um, for we wrestle, we are not wrestling with flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the depotisms, against the powers, against the master spirits who are the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spirit forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural spheres. Therefore, put on God's complete armor that you may be able to resist and stand your ground on the evil day of danger. And having done all that the crisis demands to stand firmly in your place. Therefore, stand, holding your ground, having tightened the belt of truth around your loins and having put on the breastplate of integrity and a moral rectitude and of right standing with God and having shod your feet in the preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability and promptness and the readiness that produced, is produced by the good news, the gospel of peace. Lift up over all the covering shield of saving faith upon which you can quench all the fiery missiles of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, uh, the sword that the spirit wields, which is the word of God. Now, does that sound like, um, you know, sitting by, being a spectator to this thing? Why is it? I, I believe we are preaching a gospel that is, um, is really written in hell. I mean, for the most part, the agenda... The devil could not get rid of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is a power uh, of, of rescue, redemption, revolution, uh, bringing light and, and help and salvation, rescue to the human being. So Satan couldn't get rid of that gospel. So what did he do? He toned it down, watered it down, splashed it around, mixed it with the law. Um, you know, he just picked out parts of it and mostly erased, deleted or, or scratched out the parts about himself. And so people are, you know, we're afraid that if we talk to people about devils or demons, they're going to get freaked out. Well, you know what? They're freaked out already, and they don't know why. I'd rather know my enemy than, you know, just not have a clue of what's going on. Wouldn't you rather have a diagnosis than have this mysterious disease that you don't know what's eating up your body and destroying your life? You'd at least prefer, oh, we can't give them a diagnosis, the doctor says, because that's a, a really nasty diagnosis, and we don't want them to get all freaked out and, and, and you know, We'll just lead them on and, and, you know, comfort them with, you know, flowery phrases and it's going to all be all right and everything. That's not giving service to the kingdom of God, the gospel of grace, or teaching men. And I think, don't you think part of men's problem is that they just haven't gotten the right information? Sure. Absolutely. <clears throat> they, they they don't know. And, and they don't know that they don't know. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's a big problem. They they don't know that that. They uh, that they don't know. It's um, it, it's really it, it's it really is sad. Um, mm-hmm. And I and and I'm not speaking from you. Know, I'm not a pastor or anything, so I'm not speaking you might because be. I know so much. Um, well, yeah, maybe. But um, <clears throat> I'm speaking from my own experience that until I woke up to um, the reality through, frankly, some 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 really good um, Bible teaching that that I have been exposed to at that celebration that woke me up to um, to what's really going on and and then being exposed to 
uh, some of the guys from the band, the brothers, uh, where our eyes are open. But it is a big mm-hmm. question as to how to uh, <clears throat> how to how to get um, other uh, others mm. kind of yeah. awakened because I think we've kind of been um, and all this is kind of from two points we've kind of been dumbed down in this country. Certainly, the educational mm-hmm. system has done a an effective job at, at overall dumbing down uh, the country when there's more mm-hmm. people that are aware of who's on uh, you know some reality show yeah. uh, than what's going on politically or whatever mm-hmm. uh, or at the church or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and then I, there's, a, there's a question here that I, that I think is, is pretty amazing is that when, when men don't know who, who they are or, where, mm-hmm. uh, or who they're supposed to be, um, what do they turn to? Mm-hmm. Well, there's, there's, there's lots of things. I mean, um, some men will turn to work. Um, well, I'm gonna, mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna derive my my manhood from working more hours than anybody else, so I can uh, make more money, and then I can buy mm-hmm. a bigger box to live in than anybody else, and have a nicer mm-hmm. box on wheels to drive to the box that I work in, kind <laughs> uh, <laughs> of thing. Or they turn to to alcohol or drugs or uh, pornography or whatever. You know, whatever it is, um, because I suppose I think the other thing is every man and woman um, carries a wound with them where, where they got a heart wound from from some place and, and they don't necessarily even know they have it or how they mm-hmm. got it or or um, what it mm-hmm. is. And, mm-hmm. you know, if, if it's okay, I'll share kind of my own, my own example. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be great. Go ahead. Have, Yep. I, I had a friend that I used to work with. We were in the insurance business. This was, this was uh, quite a few years ago. And um, we, we kind of had similar experiences with our dads in that my dad was a real handy guy, and he would uh, ask me to engage uh, in projects with him all the time. Um, but if, if I wasn't doing things quite the way he wanted it or not as fast or whatever, he never verbally you know, said that I was, you know, uh, screwing up or that I wasn't that I was worthless or anything but he would just step in and say well well here here, here just let me do it mm-hmm. um, but to a kid when you do that long enough over a long enough period of time <clears throat> the message that that gets sent and received whether it was intended or not is that uh, you're not good enough you're not capable <clears throat> mm-hmm. yeah. this friend of mine up in St. Cloud had a similar experience with his with his dad uh, but we went we went opposite directions in how we dealt with it. Um, my my friend up in St. Cloud became very aggressive, and mm-hmm. uh, he won national sales awards uh, year after year. And so I went up to uh, uh, St. Cloud to spend a couple of days with him, just to go out in the field with him and see how he did things. And um, I was kind of I, I was interested when I walked into his office that uh, there were virtually none of the awards that he had hanging on the walls. Really? I asked. I was curious. I said, "What? You know, where are your awards for?" You know, I I didn't know if it was just humility or what. And he said, "Ah, when I win them, I uh, I package them up and send them to my dad." Hmm. Oh (laughs) my! Which I think he would tell you that it was kind of an in-your-face dad. So you didn't think Mm -hmm. that I was worth anything. Here you go. 
I think it was a deeper cry for dad's approval, mm-hmm. um, and, which I don't know if he ever got. But, but I went the other way. I went the passive way where I, I, believed, um, I believed that lie uh, and I embraced it as my own and I lived it long enough that it became my truth. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I became yeah. then the, to, to make up for it, and I became the party guy. I, you know, I was the guy that could, uh, when we when we should be uh, spending time on the phone, making calls and whatever. I you know I was the guy that that, that got the other office guy to say, yeah, let's let's go to uh, let's go to the bar and have a couple of couple of drinks or you know whatever. Mm-hmm. But I went the other the other way. I became passive and became the party guy to try to mask my pain and say, well, what, mm-hmm. you know, this, this proves I'm a man because I can really drink good, <laughs> uh, you know, or become a womanizer. I can do that pretty good, you know, and that mm-hmm. makes me a man. And it worked for a minute, uh, yeah, but when it was done, then I had to go look for it again because it didn't last. There was, yeah. there was nothing behind it. So Isn't that amazing how that you said, I love this quote you just said, I live the lie long enough for it to become my truth. And I yeah. think that's a way of accepting, in other words, another way of saying we've accepted the programming uh, of our childhood, the inability to please dad or approve or be validated by him or approved by him. And so right. um, most men, I suppose women too, somehow are still trying to get a human parent, father or mother, to get a human parent's approval when those parents were themselves under great opposition uh, and right. some of them did the best they could but were unable to val- validate us or verify that we are great. But we can go to the Heavenly Father now and get what we need. But again, well, so what turned you around then after you lived that lie a long time and got to be the best partier and the best whatever? What what kind of broke the straw? What was the straw that broke your, the camel's back here for you? Um, well, I, I, I think I just got worn out just going, wait a minute. Uh, mm-hmm. I've tried this for a really, really, really long time and the mm-hmm. results have never, um, have never been satisfying. They've never, mm-hmm. uh, lasted beyond, you know, beyond a, a couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just went, wait a minute, this, this, this can't be right. I mean, I was raised in a, you know, I went to church all the time or whatever, so I always believed in God, but but never really invited him in or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So even though I was doing all those things, I still believed in God. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, you know, I'd like to tell you that it was some um, wow, miraculous, mm-hmm. miracle story, but it was more of a uh, revelation. I'm tired of when it, I'm, do, I'm tired of doing it my way, God. I want to, I want to try it your way and see if it mm-hmm. works better. Because I have nothing to lose. <laughs> if it works the same way as my old way did, I can always keep doing Go that. Back. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's really that. you know, isn't that kind of the spirit of God leading you in a place of the common sense? I mean, it wasn't working. Yeah. You weren't getting good yeah. results, but a lot of times people are not blessed enough to. I mean, by the time they realize the results aren't what they want. They've already, uh, there's been 16 other problems that have showed up at the door, and now they're really swamped with trying to, right. you know, survive or whatever. So um, that's amazing. I mean, do you think you see that happening in the men in your group, in, in, or in the men that you'd like to be in your group, that they can get that, get past those uh, 
those mindsets and programs and and begin to say, well, yeah. let's take an honest look at this here? Yeah, we have. We definitely have seen that happen. There's been a lot of uh, a lot of breakthrough. <clears throat> excuse me for uh, uh, for for a lot of guys that have come, um, and plus just see continual growth in those of, of us that have been part of the uh, part of the the Band of Brothers since its inception. Mm-hmm. We're, mm-hmm. we're continuing to grow um, yeah. and, and get stronger and. Um, so yeah, it's it's. Well, I just can't. I can't urge men enough to uh, <clears throat> to find a way to uh, to get involved with with uh, with some other believers and and create the kind of atmosphere where you can just uh, do what do what we're doing. It's yeah, it's get on it, get to the lies. What it, mm-hmm. what it will do for your life. It's just amazing. Well, you know, getting to the lies, I think Jesus, oh, I know Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. So um, getting to the lie, the root of the lie for you might have been something like what? What was the lie you're believing? I what? I got to please my dad. I got to what? What was the lie? Well, uh, well, the lie that I was believing and, and Marjorie, you you helped me get through this uh, to a great degree. The lie that I was believing was that I wasn't worthy, that mm-hmm. I wasn't worthy of being successful uh, in, in any way, shape, or form. I just didn't think that I uh, that, that I was somebody who really could or should be successful. And my mom played a role in that as well, uh, because mm-hmm. that's how she viewed herself her uh, her entire life. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, <laughs> yeah, I can see from your story too. Um, how a little boy growing up with dad is always intervening, you know, finishing the project. You could get to believe you can't do anything. Not only are you, right. and, and if your worth is based on your ability to do something and you can't accomplish or complete a task, then that would definitely strike at the core of how you see yourself and your abilities, capabilities, worth, and whatnot. So, and, and to fill that pain, that void, that vacuum, a lot of times I can see where the party is the next thing because Satan sets you up to be on that torture rack of, I can't do anything right anyway, I can't do anything. So, And that hurts because we're created by God to want to be right and to be um, approved of, admired. And that's okay. That's the way God created us. But when that doesn't happen, and it doesn't happen down here very often, then Satan will send a, send a, a solution to the problem he's just created. Like for example, which would take away the pain, like whether it's the drugs or the the partying or the you know, the numbness escapes. I think a lot of guys, women too, but they they go for they escape. They try. They just distract themselves and they put off. They deny. They they don't want to deal with. They really. You know, I think the problem is women are more willing to do what has to be done. Um, And because they're more willing, and I think they're motivated by fear, because their lie is, if I don't do it, who will do it? And I can't trust this guy to do it for me, this husband of mine, so I'll do it myself for the sake of the kids or whatever, because we're all about about safety and survival. And men, I think, are more about... um, looking good and um, never admitting they're wrong. I mean, most people don't want to admit they're wrong. That's a human trait. Again, because we're made by God and to love 
that which is right and true. And so nobody wants to be wrong because if I'm wrong, I'm not right. And if I'm not right, I'm wrong. And then we're wrong. And so we don't want to be wrong. And so we, we just go on in our pride and our refusing to admit we're wrong, which we see as a weakness. And we just get deeper and deeper in this, you know, even the battle uh, in marriages. So a lot of men, not only are they feeling inadequate or vulnerable or don't like themselves or taking things personally or getting offended, now they have to live with a wife who's insecure. So what does that look like? Um, well, it kind of <laughs> it, 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 well, it reinforces the, uh, here's another example, uh, at least that's how it looked and felt to me uh, in my first marriage that here's another example that supports that lie that I've been, been believing all along that I didn't know was a lie, um, mm-hmm. that, I, that I can't get it done and I can't please her, nothing that I uh, ever mm-hmm. did. Um, I, I used to describe that relationship that at, uh, uh, kind of at the beginning of the year she would be standing with her arms crossed, um, you know, not physically, but mm-hmm. just visually. And then every day that I that went by that um, I did what what she expected or came somewhat close, the the arms would kind of loosen up and they'd start to hang further and further down. And I could be I could be on the right track for 364 days, but if on the 365th day I messed up, we had to start over. Uh-huh. Which, <laughs> which, and, so, which yes. So what which happened then? Really, <clears throat> well, eventually we, there wasn't, there, 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 there just wasn't any way to, uh, uh, there wasn't any way, way that it was going to be made right. And, you know, so. Distrust, uh, broken trust, no more yeah. energy to start over. Yeah. Well, see, again, now this is a very insecure um, situation where both of you are probably insecure. Well, you know, one trying right. to please the other instead of trying to please the Lord first and um, put him first in the middle of everything. But that would go back again to your initial programming of I can't get it done. You know, you never were able to finish things because you were never permitted to finish things. So the enemy trained you, programmed you to believe I can't finish it or I can't. And, and, you know, you could never please your dad. So what makes you think you're going to please your wife? That's already programmed in there. I can't please this person in my world. Um, and so many, all of us, not just men, but women as well, everybody is programmed by their childhood, by the experiences of their childhood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was, uh, and could you look this up, Margie, in the Amplified as well, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Okay, children, obey your parents in the Lord as his representatives, for this is just and right. Honor, esteem, and value as precious your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Um, that all may be that all may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not irritate 
or provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to resentment, but rear them tenderly in the training and discipline and the counsel and admonition of the Lord. And, and you think of how many, you know, in a sense, your father there, and we're not here to pick on your dad or anything, but uh, oh, the no. term there, provoking them to resentment. Is that? To anger and ex- yeah. exasperate. Do not exasperate them to resentment. Mm-hmm. And and I, I meet so many people that... Hate their and, father. And it's not just that they're blaming their father all the time, but you find out there's so much father too. father pain. It's like a like an orphan oh. spirit. Mm-hmm. The, that father wound or a lack of a father wound mm-hmm. that that have been they have been exasperated to resent. Well, this goes to the core of what we're talking about. If men aren't taking their places as the protection, as the the the, the main teacher, the priest of their home, the children are are. Raised with insecurities, uncertainties, resentments, exasperation, and resentment. Actually, if you look at the, what it really breaks down to, it, it's resentment of a parent is you're being torn between feeling angry for feeling guilty. You're feeling guilty because you're mad at them, you don't honor them, but you're mad at them because they don't be they're not being the parent. They're making you be the parent, or they're you know being an unjust parent. Anger comes from the injustice of maybe them expecting you to do some things you can't do or um, not understanding what you need and being able to give it to you as you need it. So anger, that exasperation and resentment comes from the guilt and from not being able to honor. A child wants to honor their parent, but if dad is gone, abandon them. How many fathers really, um, and mothers too, I suppose it's true. But I mean, we see it a lot in the dads. They just abandon their family. They just walk out. And so what do the kids think? Right. So as, you, as you're aware, uh, Kurt, that uh, the figure that I keep hearing is there's about almost you know half the kids in America do not have their biological father with them in their home. Right. And, 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 and then a, a good percentage of that, those, say, approximately 50%, do not even know who their fathers are. And so right. what, uh, and, and I'm sure, uh, what what do you see as a way that that can be uh, addressed? Now, this is this is maybe, maybe uh, you know, some, for example, in your band of brothers that are in that, you know, that have uh, divorced or not able to be with their biological children or their stepchildren. Or their or children of divorce. Right, or their children out of divorce. How uh, this, I think this this really gets into more of a, a ministry role beyond the, our immediate family and our immediate marriage as to uh, what about these uh, uh, fatherless kids? Uh, they don't have a father figure. Uh, uh, maybe in, in some cases, in, in places in our country, that's the... Uh, it's the it's the drug dealer, or it gets to be the Gang the member. pimp, or or something. Um, what, what what do you can you just uh, talk a little bit about that issue and and what what you see uh, can be done to to help? Well, I I, th- I think that's a real big uh, I think that's a real big issue because. Uh, I know it's something that I struggled with for a long time 
Um, and, and I didn't realize for a long time that I was struggling with it, but uh, <clears throat> the kind of relationship that we have with our dads, <clears throat> excuse me, is certainly going to have an impact on um, our view of our Heavenly Father. Uh, yes. If, 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 I, if I could never, felt like I could never please my dad or ever do anything good enough for my dad, then that's the only thing that I knew. So I, for the longest time, I believed that God was disappointed in me mm-hmm. in the same way that my earthly dad was. Yes, that I that I couldn't you know I couldn't do enough and and in the in the case with with uh, kids that are raised without a father they don't even know what a father is they don't even know what yeah. a father <clears throat> figure is supposed to look like even from an earthly sense and if they don't have that how in the world can they possibly have any idea of um, uh, of what their heavenly father mm-hmm. is like. Mm-hmm, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two scriptures I, that come. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was I was going to say um, we like to invite your calls uh, to come in. Yeah. Uh, you have a question, uh, gentlemen, ladies, or gentlemen, <laughs> uh, give us a call uh, if you have a question for Kurt or for any of us. Uh, the number is three four seven two one five eight zero five one. Again, three four seven two one five. Eight zero five one. Well, you know, one of the things I was thinking, Kurt, is if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Um, I'm not sure where that's exactly found. It's I think it's Proverbs or Psalms. But if the foundations, if that initial uh, thing that's happening in the childhood, in their in their world, is, is um, if we, you know, what can we do if there's no uh, if there's no foundation there? And then the other thing that that uh, I can't. What does it say about the children are the the glory of no the, the father glory. is the glory of the child right. the father right. is the glory and what's the opposite of glory is shame and if a child you know I mean every kid feels secure when they have a dad in their home and there's they're, they're knowing that that dad's going to keep them safe protect them from bullies stand up for them take you know their side we hope I mean an honorable dad would do that the kid is going to grow up with a lot more security than someone uh-huh. who is who is ashamed, afraid on their own. The oldest son maybe feels like he has to be the father because dad's gone, um, has to take care of mom, you know, parent, his siblings, whatever. Um, because there's, instead of glory, there's shame. So how can that child, just how in the world can they feel good about themselves or as good as, as a kid who's got a parent who's taking them to ball games and throwing the ball at them and stuff like that? You know, I mean, just with, it's impossible. But um, can we hold that thought? We've got a caller here, and we'd like to see what they're having to say. Hello. Hi, my name is Tanya, and I have a call for you guys um, about, I know the show's about men, and it says that, you know, um, men and women are supposed to be helpmates, and um, I was wondering what the role of, like, a friend or a wife um, or a sister you know, can be to be helpful but not be intrusive, especially when somebody's kind of shut down and wanting to be by themselves, but okay. they kind of take it to the extreme, like in avoiding something for a long time. What would you suggest? Okay, so I'm going to rephrase. I'm going to ask the question and give it to Kurt. <laughs> so if somebody's, um, you know, isolated, resisting help, uh, comfort or support, 
from a friend or a, a sister or someone, um, what would you suggest to bring them into the place of out of their shell? Kind of, what would you think, Kurt? Um, <clears throat> well, uh, this will this will sound real cliched, and probably the reaction will be, "Well, yeah, I know that," but I but I don't know what, don't know what else to say um, <clears throat> other than. Um, just diligent, uh, diligent prayer, and, and just, just, just to ask God to bring the right person across their path. It may not be a family member. It may not be a friend. It may need to be, um, it may need to be someone else. Uh, <clears throat> again, I can, I can address a situation that, <clears throat> excuse me. There's a gentleman that I know that um, he and his, his. Uh, uh, wife have have decided to uh, divorce and uh, and he's pretty much um, largely disappeared. Um, you know, doesn't take phone calls and you leave a voicemail, doesn't return them, um, doesn't really respond to texts. And when somebody is like that, I don't have an answer. I mean, I, I don't know what to do um, besides pray for him or her. Um, because if they if they just won't respond, if they like I said don't don't take phone calls or return phone calls or or respond to texts or whatever, I don't know what to do other than pray. I mean that sounds like everybody's I think that's, probably uh, thinking. Yeah, well, no, I know no, that. I, <laughs> personally, that's, all, I don't, that's all I can know. That's not a cliche. That's that's real good advice. Because that's what God says to do in any situation. I mean, we, we don't just have, I mean, there's all kinds of people in your world who need to hear from God, who need to be stirred up, get the revelation of Jesus Christ, they're going the wrong way. They're not responding to good information or to the truth. And, you know, they've been kind of walled off by Satan uh, for however, whatever way. So um, what... What can you do except bind and loose, bind the powers of darkness that have, you know, afflicted them or, or isolated them, what the lie is that they're believing that's caused them to be very isolated and very resistant. Um, bind the, that lie or the liar that's telling that lie to them and release the truth, which is the, always the revelation of. Right. So you. Yes, uh, Tanya, does, uh, does that uh, address your question or any other comments that you'd have? does and i wanted to address i wanted to say something about uh, something you were talking about earlier about people not understanding you know the armor of god and spiritual warfare which is like guess what you're sort of saying with the um praying for people and you know playing Mm -hmm. the glory light on their soul um the thing is i think that most pastors aren't not not teaching um spiritual warfare not because they're trying to pander but because I don't think that the average um, pastor, and this is my opinion from going to lots of different churches, I don't mm-hmm. think the average pastor knows very much about it at all personally. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I was a kid, the church I grew up in, I literally like, you know, like, you know, in like second, third grade, I, I thought there was like some potion they put in the furnace room that, like, made me feel like going to sleep because I, I really felt that the church was that boring. And I thought, you know, I'm never this bored except for at church. 
And if I'm bored when I'm like in second and third grade and they, everybody always thinks everybody has to talk down. And now we've all been talking down to each other for so long to the Mm -hmm. lowest denominator that I don't think that the people who are even in leadership positions anymore even know what they should be saying because I don't think they've heard it or they Mm -hmm. understood it. And Mm -hmm. I think that you've just gotten so that everything is so bland and so boring and mm-hmm. also, you know, what you were saying about Jesus and how, you know, everybody has almost taken on a false gospel where Jesus is loving, but that doesn't just mean falling down and doing nothing. You know, he turned the mm-hmm. tables over and, um, yeah. you temple. know, and the, yeah. and, right. and the thing is, is that, you know, I think that the Christian society is just decides to just turn over and do nothing. Yeah. And so... It really is about warfare instead of, you know, only just trying to help somebody by picking them up. Sometimes you have to pick them up and give them a paddle, you know, so like. Preach it, sister. You know, I'm sick of it. Yeah, yeah. You're you're nailing it, though. I mean, I, I really think you're nailing a lot of what's going on. We've been talking down to each other for a long time. Uh, I, I would agree with you, Tanya, that. Um, you know, there's a lot, there isn't a much education. Like, you know, for you, I think of when, you know, I went to, you know, Bible college and, you know, Bible colleges and seminaries. I, I, from my experience and just from my experience of working, you know, knowing pastors and working with pastors for years, there might give a little bit of lip service to, yes, you know, oh, the, well, there is a devil, but that's about all we're, Say saying about that. <laughs> and, and that's all that's all I have to say about that to quote uh what's his name Forrest Gump Forrest Gump you know that's all I have to say about that and that's about as far as it goes but um it, it it's true there there isn't much training among you know pastors um spiritual leaders hence hence the you know there there's a lot of uh uh, ignorance and, um, and and misunderstanding about that, and then too sometimes we've got uh, there's some wackos that just uh, just have the whole spiritual warfare concept all blown out of proportion. Mm-hmm. You know, not that it isn't great or intense, but just the some of the methodology and approach, and it's not it's more than just screaming at the demons and mm-hmm. and and and, uh, and doing you know exorcisms. You know that sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, I'm just saying that to agree with you that um, yeah, well, there, there does need to be that um, intensification. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah I, I, we apologize, and I think that's part of it, Kurt. Too, I think we, as leaders, probably need to start apologizing to the people for dumbing them down, talking down to them as if we, you know, as if they're children and and can't handle. I I know that in my counseling. And I work a lot with kids, teenagers, adults, whatever. That I tell the little kids about demons, and you know, it does not freak them out at all. What it, if you tell it to them right? I mean, if you say it not in a way like there's spooks in the closet and monsters under the bed, but that there are actually forces out there that lie. They're liars. They they steal, um, and then they begin to understand. Whoa, okay, it's not all me. I'm not bad, but I'm listening to somebody who is bad and taking some really bad advice. And I think. Um, you know, if your men would understand that it's not all about them, it's not about their, you know, flaws. It's it's about their the flaws, yeah. But the the problems become 
um, the, the symptoms become the problem. The real problem is the issue of the lies, like uh, Tanya was saying. Thank you, Tanya. Is there anything else you want to add before we end up our, uh, we're going to go forward and kind of wrap this thing up here? No, I just want to, I want to thank you. And I don't think that Margie and her husband need to apologize, but. <laughs> well, thank you, dear. <laughs> I think you're well, doing your part. So. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you for doing your part, too, yeah. and stir it up out there a little bit, okay? Yeah. All right. Thank, All right. Sweet. Thank you for calling, Tanya. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you know, she really nailed kinda, it. Go ahead, Kurt. I was just kind of want to throw something in there. I, I, I think in the church, what's happened is the same thing that has happened um, from a political perspective in this country. And by and all I'm saying by that is. Um, there's that the, the story about if if, if you throw a, a, a frog in a in a pot of boiling water, it'll jump out. Throw it in a pot of cold water and slowly turn the heat up, you'll kill it, mm-hmm. right? It'll boil it. Yeah. And I think that's what's happening in this country, from an educational level, a political level. We've mm-hmm. been slowly boiled for so long that complacency has set in, including in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're, we're just kind of like, mm-hmm. what, what is going on? The water is getting really hot, but I don't know mm-hmm. what to do about it. Well, yeah, you're right. And are we the frog in the kettle or are we the guy that's standing beside the kettle and screaming, the kettle, the kettle, you're burning the frogs. Get out, get out, get out. And the people who are shouting, and I, you know, I think both all of us have said tonight in a couple of different occasions, well, we don't want to, you know, be too harsh. We don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to, you know, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? Maybe we need to. Maybe we need to start yep. offending people a little bit. Say, so, you know what? The building is burning down. You know, you have your options here. You can stay in and finish your card game or whatever it is, your video game, or you can leave. And, and right. I'm not, you know, I mean, why is it? I mean, we are coming to the place where it is, I, you know, off the air a little bit, we were talking while you guys weren't listening to us, but about the urgency and the intensity of this thing with, with men, women. I mean, men are humans. They have souls. They're leaders. They're, being, they're lost. They're being, if the devil knows if he can pick off the leaders, if he can pick off the, the guards, the, the protectors, he's got the house. I mean, you know, most men, if there was a burglar coming to their door at night and they had wife and, and children in that house, I'm sure they wouldn't send their kids to the door. I'm sure they right. wouldn't even send their wife to the door. She might be right behind him maybe, but I'm sure he'd pick up whatever he had in his hand and he'd go to the door yep. or dial 911 or something. And, you know, maybe I think men are built to do that. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think women are built to go to the door and see if the burglars are going to, you know, break in. Men are stronger. And men right. have this kind of a, they want to pick a fight. They want to, you know, prove their manlyhood or whatever. But, but see, the thing is, um, spiritually, they don't get it. I mean, yeah, in a physical way, if there was somebody at the door, they'd go down there. But now the devil is snuck into their house, is stealing their children, stealing their wives, stealing their, their hard-earned livelihoods, whatever. And they just turn the other way. They act like they don't see it. Can you talk about that? Well, I, yeah, I, I think you're right, but I, I think um, I think a lot of it, I really do. I think a lot of it is a lack of awareness 
but they're just not paying attention. Um, they just they just think, oh, oh, that's not happening here. That that that's happening at the neighbors across the street, but it's not happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it doesn't it happen here, it's not my business or something. Right. Right, right. But you see, uh, I think another thing, though, too, you know, whether they're in denial of what's really going on or whether they're so engrossed, embroiled in their own issues, that's the other mm-hmm. side of that coin. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, not recognizing, not even having language. I mean, they'll have the secular language. I'm depressed. Um, I feel afraid. Um, you know, uh, not good enough. But what about things like like demonic filters that twist or change their perceptions. And so that when, like, for example, if there's a demonic filter in someone's mind and someone else, like, say, is speaking to them, and say they both have a filter, so they're starting to communicate husband, and wife, whatever, the words that are said are never entering in, never, uh, they're always getting twisted to mean something else. And I think that is another strategy of the enemy to separate um, you know, people start out in love and they make all these promises and I'll be with you to death to us part, but now it's really till divorce to us part. But I mean, they're, they're in love and they're willing to make all these covenant commitments and da, 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 da. And by the time you're two, three, four years down the road, they hate each other. Um, they can't stand each other. They're, they don't trust each other. They feel like they got ripped off. They got lied to in the beginning. Um, and they're all, they're either trying to fix each other, um, make them conform to their image of what they think they should be, or they're walking out. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I, I believe that people, people are more capable of um, hearing and accepting the truth um, than, than we're willing to give them credit for, and I think most people would prefer to hear the truth. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it might be... It might be a little scary, uh, but but you know the I mean Satan uses scripture all the time. Satan knows scripture better than better than uh, most of us do, uh, and he uses it against us all the time. Uh, but he's he's got that slight little twist on the end of it that it sounds right, and I think it's right, but it mm-hmm. the way he does. But the way he's he's portraying it is a complete and and mm-hmm. utter lie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think more. I, I think most people would prefer uh, to hear the truth, even if it um, even if it makes them mad or if it shocks them or whatever. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I'm in agreement with what you said uh, earlier and, and what Tommy was alluding to that, um, that that maybe it is time that we stop uh, worrying about offending people and just tell them the truth to maybe shock them into uh, into reality. Yeah, we've tried everything else. Hey, how about a commercial, a quick one, and then we'll get back and do some wrapping up here. But um, this is about cravings. I want it, and I want it now. Chocolate. A juicy burger with everything. A turtle brownie latte overload. A cold beer. That guy over there. That lady at the counter, cravings, intense desires that demand satisfaction often rule our lives. Our cravings have formed habits we can't break, even though they are breaking us. The more we try to take control of our lives, the more out of control our lives become, and we end up doing more and more 
of what we really don't want to do. In Marjorie Cole's Cravings Manual or CD, you'll find rock-solid answers to your dilemma. No more crazy diets, guilt, denial, white-knuckling, or endless frustration. Just a release of truth from the book of Romans that will set you on the path to freedom you never thought you'd have. To receive your copy or CD of Cravings, just go to www.liferecovery.com. That's www.liferecovery.com. Hey, yeah, cravings. We're all distracted, caught up with what we want and the instant gratification of it or proving someone else wrong. And none of that's any of our business at all. We're all caught up with our own opinions, how it should be, our political opinions and whatnot. But you know what? The real, the real job is to be about the Lord's business, the, the business of God. The business, in the business of God, of course, is, is make disciples. Jesus said, go into all the world, uh, teach all nations, or make disciples of all nations. So th- our role is to, to be disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And how, how is that done? You know, is it, is it done through, uh, in part through a, a Sunday morning congregational service? That's part of it. But um, the core of this uh, really is, and if you look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verses uh, 14 through 17, 1 Corinthians 4, 14 through 17, he says, Paul writing t- uh, to the uh, church at this, in the city of Corinth, I do not write these things to shame you, But as my beloved children, I warn you, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. For this reason, I've sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. And I see this, uh, Kurt, and uh, let you comment on this too, is that you know, when, when you look at how Jesus discipled, he ministered to the multitudes, 5,000 or so, and, and then he would minister to uh, individuals, and he had the 12 as far as the discipleship and training. And then it got down to the three, Peter, James, and John. So you, you can't improve on how Jesus did discipleship training. And uh, it, was, it was the one-on-one. It was the small group. And um, uh, it's something that just a phrase I've used for years is that um, every Paul needs a Timothy. Every Timothy needs a Paul. And, and I, I see uh, something like that that I, it probably is happening, but perhaps a goal for your group would be to, hey, guys, you know, you're kind of getting it together. You're finding your identity here in Jesus. Now let's, with all wisdom and purity, not that you come off as a know-it-all, but as a, a spiritual father. We like to use the term mentoring. I don't care for that term mentoring, but as a kind of a spiritual father or big brother helping uh-huh. another one along in relationship. Do you want to just comment about 
that uh, that discipleship process? Well, we've—that's exactly the the discussion that we have been having for probably the last year or so. Um, really trying to get uh, to to do what we can to attract younger men in the church uh, to come and and participate. Um, and now we haven't. We haven't found a successful way, and we've been praying and asking God to grow a group, which obviously is the best thing to do, uh, to try to get younger men in so that we can, in fact, um, do, if the group would grow to, say, 30 or 40 or 50 people. um, For most people, the group is too big for them to be willing to uh, share and, and, and become intimate so, you know, we've talked about those of us who have been part of the core uh, since the beginning uh, of then, we are now in a position where we can decide these guys. So we break, would break it into smaller groups, uh, say four or five guys where they can feel comfortable with that uh, intimacy. It's just, um, mm-hmm. what, what, we, we've tried a couple of different things to, um, we had a, a and the campfire kind of thing, you know, guys deal, let's get together out on some property at celebration on south of the church. Um, and we'll come back and we'll have a meal together and watch, uh, I, I don't know, I think we watched Courageous or Fireproof or something like that. Um, and that was attended pretty well, but it didn't translate into um, those guys coming to, the, uh, to, uh, to Bob. And, and I don't know why. Um, we haven't really been able to figure out exactly why uh, that's the mm-hmm. case, but that's our that is our goal. That is that is our mm-hmm. objective um, yeah. because we need to get we need mm-hmm. to teach those younger guys how to be um, leaders first of all in their homes, and then how to become leaders mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. at their place of employment or, or any other organization that that they might be a part of and impart biblical leadership principles to them so that they can um, can impact uh, yeah. the world. And just exactly, Jerry, what you were saying about um, disciple, dis- disciple disciples and have those disciples disciple more disciples. And, yeah. um, Jesus model uh, worked pretty well. I, I, I don't know why we should try to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. yeah. Well, one thing I'm thinking about, too, is, you know, with men, um, you guys, when you go hunting, um, let's just say you're going to go turkey hunting or deer hunting or whatever you do, and you're going to decide which, what your weapons are. You're going to get your bait. You're going to get, you're going to strategize, get a camera, figure out where the game hangs out, how they work, what they, what they're, I mean, it's like totally, men are so totally motivated to capture this thing, to, uh, you know, it's like you've got the goal, you've got the, it's it, it, the strategy, the, the whole thing is fun to go after, to see if you can get it, to see if you can accomplish it. And, you know, and, you know, when it comes to training up men, capturing men's souls uh, for God, we seem like we don't have a plan. We try this, we mm-hmm. try that, we try, you know, we kind of hit and miss around and, and we don't even realize that this is much more important than any, you know, big game hunt or, or you know, I mean, whatever it is. If, if you're motivated, 
to to know your team, to know the game, to know the hunt, to know this, to know to know the weapons. You will do it if you're motivated. I have I've you know, money's not an issue. It's the it's the I don't know what it is. It's something out there that makes it so exciting for them. But we, you know, in the military, they have plans. They have they have boot camp. They have strategies. They have things they do over and over and over. They in basketball, they have the basics. They go to the basics, basics. I mean, there's plans, plans, strategies. It's we work it from a plan. Time uh, has proven this plan to be good, and and we use it again and again. But it seems like when it comes to uh, capturing the souls, hearts of men, to redeem them, restore them, um, and I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying I feel the same way. Frustrated. We need. Something that works and, and maybe is simple, but something that works. Um, yeah. And, and so, so many times, uh, Kurt, and you've seen this too, in the church, we've got the mentality of uh, we want people coming to rather than going to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, rather than we want people to come to us rather than us going to them. And one of the things but, I've found that works pretty good is just, just kind of one-on-one mm-hmm. uh, Get it one guy and just say, hey, let's let's have lunch, let's have breakfast. Um, you know, I'm I'm doing this as as kind of evangelism, uh, but it's part of the discipleship process. And then two guys that just uh, younger guys that are are maybe new believers or struggling a little bit. Hey, you know, let's let's have breakfast or uh, let let's right. go to a game and uh, you know go for a walk, whatever, and, and that sort of thing. That one on one, maybe you know just finding someone even in a congregation there each you know, your core guys and say hey just just a suggestion here but you know just hey is there some young guy that that I can that I can just get with and find out what they like to do and let's 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 hang have out let's do something hang out mm-hmm. and that's what Jesus did he kind of just hung out and and they just watched him he said Paul said in uh 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 1 imitate me as I yeah. imitate Christ but when so Jesus- He's saying, if you want to know how to follow Jesus, just, yeah, just kind of hang out with me and, but, just, and just watch how I do it. But when Jesus hung out, he did exciting things. Yeah. I mean, they were. He it healed, was a day of action-adventure. It mean, was an adventure. It wasn't, yeah, they were healing people. Yeah, and, so and I think men, too, need a purpose. And, <laughs> Maybe that's that. part of it, too, is there has to be a purpose for for um, getting the job done. Yeah, he, uh, Kurt, earlier you suggested a couple of resources that could be helpful to some of the men that are listening uh, here. Would you just go ahead and uh, uh, share those with us again? Uh, uh, sure. Um, and, and I share these because the, these are resources that I've used myself and that have, have um, really had a, a, a big impact on me. Um, one, the first one is a book, uh, by John Eldridge, last name is spelled E-L-D-R-E-D-G-E. Uh, the name of the book is Wild at Heart. Um, that really speaks to um, a man's woundedness and, and how he gets gets his heart back. It's, it's a wonderful book. Mine is kind of falling apart. I've read it so much. Uh, <laughs> and the, 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 the second resource is actually a couple of YouTube videos um, by a gentleman by the name of Louis uh, Giglio. The last name is spelled G-I-G-L-I-O. Um, and the two videos, the first one is uh, How Great is Our God? And the second one is Born to be Wild. Hmm. Um, and I, in my experience, I would suggest watching them in that order because the How Great is Our God will just 
blow your mind as to how vast our God is. That we don't really comprehend how big He is, and yet He's concerned about the minutest details of our life. Um, and the fact mm-hmm. that the hairs on our head are numbered. Uh, and then the second one, um, born to be wild, really will paint a completely different picture and, and a completely different idea of that our God is a, is a wild, uh, untamable God, and we're made mm-hmm. in his image. And mm-hmm. Those are great resources, and I, I think they mm-hmm. might have a great impact on anybody who might be interested in, in watching them. And that goes for women as well. Yeah. Hey, well, we need some wild, yeah. untamable people for the Lord Jesus like Christ. Like John the Baptist. Yeah, yeah, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> we didn't get to talk much about God is wild tonight. Maybe we'll have to have you back on and talk about this wild God um, and this awesome God and because he's worthy to be served and praised. Is there anything you want to say, Kurt, though, in wrapping up? We're just about to the end of the show. A um, couple minutes, anything you want to say that we've missed or maybe more about wild God or anything? Um, well, I would just say, men, um, do what you have to do to to find your heart and find out who God really made you to be, because He is a wild and, and dangerous God. I mean, all, I, again, all you have to do is is look at nature. Um, uh, would you would you consider a grizzly bear wild and dangerous? <laughs> I would. <laughs> Uh, and and who created that? You know mm-hmm. that wasn't from the Big Bang theory. God created that. Yeah. So he thought of that idea of, mm-hmm. of the grizzly bear being uh, being wild, and you know I could go on and on from there. I think it'll looking at those things. It will help you realize that we're created in His image, and He's wild, and He's dangerous, and He's created us to be that way. In the mm-hmm. right context, it doesn't mean that you just go out and get stupid and party and and yeah, reckless and all that. Not 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 in, not in that way, but um, we just need to reevaluate and understand mm-hmm. who he really is and who he made us to be, and we need to get engaged. Yeah. Um, in in what's going yeah. on here, because the world's in trouble. Yeah. And if we don't rise up, um, if leaders mm-hmm. don't come out of the body of Christ. Um, we're in big trouble, and we need yeah. to rise up now. So. You're absolutely right, totally, totally right. We need to rise up now. And, you know, thank you so much for being with us tonight because I think that we've stirred up something. There's probably a lot, lot, lot more, obviously, we could talk about because we've run over the edge here. But um, one thing we want to do is invite people to camp. Yes, uh, July 25th, 26th, 27th, right here at our place, yeah. Uh, French-like farm between Annandale and Cocado. Uh, if we go, what what's the best website to find the uh, True Light Church? True Light Church MN dot org or liferecovery dot com. Um, if you're on our Facebook or email, you already got kind of a blurb on it. Uh, yeah. Camp is sort of free. It's a it's a sort of free camp. It's for the whole family. We have excellent speakers oh, and Reuben David prayer. Uh, Reuben David, who is uh, uh, he's going to be joining us in a couple of weeks. Yeah, he's yeah, he's going to be on the yeah he's yep. going to be on the radio with us here in a couple of weeks. Talk and, about uh, a guy that knows from, God. Uh, yeah, 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 tremendous testimony of his family coming out of Hinduism in India and. Mm-hmm. A very, very strong uh, teacher, minister of the word, and uh, yeah. 
Uh, Karen Steen Finch will be yep. talking about nutrition. Yep. I'll be speaking. We're going to have movie nights. We're going to have prayer, mm-hmm. power of God. A big tent. Big, a big old tent. The real a big deal. old white tent and a tent for, tent for the kids and food and yeah. food, fun, and fellowship and the power of the Holy Spirit Amen. all together. Yeah. So, like one of those old-fashioned tent revivals. So look kind of it things. up, uh, mn.org yeah. or liferecovery.com. And uh, we invite you to Family Camp, July 25th, 26th, and 27th. Good night, Kurt, and good night, everybody. God bless you all. Thank you so much, Kurt. Right. And we pray for you Absolutely. that your mental Thank you. Rolling. Be blessed. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.